You are listening to Future Net Zero, a platform to help businesses and the wider community improve our lives and our planet by achieving net zero. Is it time for the sun to light the way to net zero? In this podcast, we look at the role of solar for businesses on the pathway to 2050. Future Net Zero founder Summit Bose is joined by Francisco Cadabas from Amp Clean Energy and the CEO of Solar Energy UK, Chris Hewitt. Find out if solar is really an option for you. Welcome to this Future Net Zero podcast. My name is Summit Bose, founder of Future Net Zero. And today we're going to look at something we desperately need, sunshine. Solar, the role of solar in, in net zero. I've got two fantastic guests with us. I've got Francisco Carabas from uh, Amp uh, Clean Energy. Francisco, how are you? Good, thank you. Thank and, you. Yeah, and we've got Chris Hewitt from Solar Energy UK. Chris, how are you? I'm good, very good too, thank you. Chris, do you want to explain what Solar Energy UK is? Absolutely, yeah. We're the the trade association for the the solar energy storage industry in the UK. Uh, we've got about two hundred and thirty members. So we represent you know, the whole sort of value chain, all the way from the sort of manufacturers, large investors, all the way down to the uh, the small installers. When you talk about being a trade body, what's your ethos? Really, just to try and promote solar across the board, or do you act as a kind of sounding board between government and your members? How how, how do you see yourself? We see ourselves, we're, we're obviously representing yeah, the, the interests of, of our members. We see our role as, as absolutely growing the role of, of solar in the UK energy industry, but also protecting the sort of, and uh, looking at sort of making sure the assets which we currently have, you know, we have 14 gigawatts in the UK already. Those, yeah. are, those are managed correctly, but uh, our target is um, to deliver, for there to be 40 gigawatts, four zero gigawatts of solar in the UK by 2030. Before we, we, we start our conversation properly, let's let's get rid of the myth, okay? The, the whole thing that, you know, why does places like Germany and Holland and we have solar when we haven't got any bloody sun? <laughs> Can you clarify for, for the listeners the difference between sunlight so solar is so so solar energy works on on daylight not not sunlight obviously you get you do generate more if you have um a lot of sun and yeah. clearly countries like spain are going to do better in that sense but we have as i said 14 um gigawatts of, of solar capacity in the uk and when it's now the cheapest energy technology in the country bar none francisco tell us about your role because you're head of solar development but what, when you when you look at what um amp is doing in general why is the solar side of it so important for the business? Yeah, sure. And let me just contribute to the previous question. Um, of course, there is sol- less solar resource in the UK, but the technology is increasing in cost so quick for the last 10 years, at least, when I started in this business 13 years ago, uh, that even if you don't have the same solar resource that you'll have um, in Spain or Mexico, the cost is so low that it makes sense uh, in mm-hmm. the UK. So... Just coming back to, to your question, at the end of the day, Amp Clean Energy is a company that provides low carbon solutions as a service. So solar is just part of a package. And the way we're adding value to our customers, it's bundling a decarbonization partnership where we can offer heat, solar, that it's part of the package where you can get relevant and substantial savings and carbon emission reductions across with lighting and other potential solutions. So that's what we're doing at the moment. Yes, let's just start with a general conversation. And as I said, just the two of you get get, get involved and, you know, let's 
tell the audience, why is solar important on the role and the pathway to net zero? Because many would say, actually, what we need is lots more wind turbines. What we need is kind of energy efficiency and battery storage. And yes, yeah, solar is all right, but kind of we're never going to have all the roofs in, in, in the whole country covered with, with solar panels. So for, for the listeners, for particularly the business audience, who would think, well, I might be in accommodation or rented places where I couldn't stick the stuff in. How, how is solar important for the pathway? Let, let, let's start with you, Chris. Well, for the net zero um, economy is going to need a, a diversity of technologies. So it's, it's, it never makes sense to rely on one technology to, to deliver all of your power. And yes, we have a lot of offshore wind resource in the UK. We will continue to do so, but uh, the wind doesn't always blow. And quite often when the wind doesn't blow, the sun is shining. So, so there is, there's, there's really a complementarity between wind and solar. If you look globally, um, wind and solar are the two technologies which have, have fallen in price hugely uh, over the last decade, as, as Francisco said. Um, 90% actually for, for over the last decade globally is, is how much the price of solar has, has dropped. And we're seeing the same with battery technology. And I think batteries is the other really important part of the mix here, because if we're going to rely on more variable, less dispatchable power, then of course we're going to need to store that so it's, so it's used at the right time. And uh, Again, battery technology is, is, is dropping in price at a, as a similar trajectory to uh, just that solar has over the last decade. So it's, it's, for us, it's that sort of combination of different renewables and energy storage that's, that's going to be the real future. Francisco, what would you add to it? Yeah, no, um, I agree. Um, essentially, it's part of a mix. Um, if you look at it as a country or even at, at the level of a client of an off-taker, uh, solar, it's part of, of a solution that it's wider. It's just part of a mix. And the benefits that you have from solar is that it's relatively easy to install and quick to deploy. So you can have your green credentials quite quickly uh, with really low cost or zero cost in our case with our offer. But isn't, isn't there a big kind of financial outlay in the front part, which is what many businesses worry about, kind of, you know, the kit and stuff. Are you saying there are enough funding pathways out there to negate that for the initial kind of purchase for the business? Well, it's one of the main reasons, and that's why AMP is pushing the development of more PPAs, power purchase agreements, where there is essential zero upfront cost for the customers, and there is substantial reductions on carbon and savings. So if customers are looking for having um, substantial savings on their bill, and reducing their carbon, their carbon emissions in their operations, a PPA solution can be optimal for them. And essentially, we finance the asset. We take responsibility of the operation and maintenance of it um, for the tenor of the contract. Chris, I mean, a PPA for businesses, your members, what, what do they think of them? I think it's it's increasingly attractive for a lot of uh, energy buying sectors. We're seeing um, the likes of the technology sector, the water industry, um, some of the sort of agricultural sort of food and drink sort of sector as well. Those which have the have the capacity to to, to make long term investments will some of them will will invest on their own you know, off their own balance sheet and and do it that way. But mm -hmm. I think the the other attractive offer, which is which is what uh, yeah MP does, is is to is to work with a provider who will effectively sort of finance the do the upfront cost for you and then yes yeah, sort of guarantee you as a, a, a steady steady supply of energy at a, and a predictable cost i think that's the other 
the other attractive thing here is it's uh, it's it's a remove the volatility of your energy bills. Um, you know what you can be paying for for you know for some time to come, and that's something which is increasingly attractive. No, and I get that, and I think my, you know whatever people say, <clears throat> you know the reality is cash counts, and it is the money that's often the biggest barrier. But there are other barriers, you know. Um, for example, as I said, you know, I assume you have to own the roof, do you? Or can you can you get some solar power from somewhere else and shipped in? What what sort of barriers do you think there might be, both of you, to for a business choosing on-site solar? I guess one of the main barriers is a is that we're talking when we're talking about PPAs, power purchase agreements, we're talking about long-term contracts. Yeah. So uh, that relates to your question because we need to offer as much flexibility as we can to the off-takers, to the end customers. So giving the flexibility of assignment, let's say that uh, the, the leasehold or, or, or the, the lease yeah. of the property yeah. will end in 10 years, we need to have enough flexibility to uh, change the contract to another credit warranty counterparty that will uh, use the facilities or providing flexibility with early exit options. And one of the things that we can provide as we uh, manage the funds that we use to finance these projects is offer these kind of flexible options to the off-takers. And obviously as technology keeps yes. decreasing in cost, yes. the tenor of PPAs will, will decrease in subsidy free markets. Uh, that's a, the tendency that you normally see globally, a reduction on the tenor of the contracts. So it's a combination of being flexible in your offer once you own the funding of it. And on the other hand is um, trying to reduce the, the tenor of the contract that it's normally one of the first initial barriers with customers. I think that's right. I think it's what, what we're seeing is is a increasing sophistication in, in, in some of the ways that these contracts can be structured. Um, so as well as all the on-site um, sort of options which uh, which Francesca will, will offer, um, we're also seeing sort of PPAs for for off-site um, sites. So it's, it might be it might be literally sort of a, a piece of land which is which is close to your factory and. Yeah. With a yeah. with a private wire, which 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 is which is something which is increasingly happening, um, or it might be. Um, simply yeah it's like if you like a virtual contract where you're you're contracting for energy from from the generator they use that contract to then fund the the building of a completely new subsidy free asset Francisco, do, do you are people aware of these kind of differences that are out there now when you talk to customers what, what they when you have that first conversation they say well it sounds great but it's not for me because i've got land or do you have to explain hang on there are different options out there now yeah sure uh when you're talking about really large industrial customers that are more sophisticated. Uh, of course, they already play on that market or they have their own plans sure. to participate Absolutely. in that market. Uh, that it's just uh, virtual power, uh, power purchase agreements that have their own uh, sophistication. So you need a very specialized team on your procurement department to take on these contracts because obviously you're taking power from a different point so the price on the generation point it's normally different from the price of electricity at the consumption point and that that requires certain sophistication to to get it and it, it it's quite efficient in in other markets but it requires certain speciality and when you're talking about customers that are willing to take their first steps on decarbonization the best go to 
solution. It's on-site or private wire solar. Yeah. But it can be on the roofs or in their land or in land that is next to them, uh, where it's easier to transact the electricity. So you have two different options, virtual PPAs and on-site PPAs, private wire uh, PPAs, and it depends on the customer, uh, the solution that it's more optimal for them. Would you both say that uh, policy, you know, we, we look, remember the days of FITS and, and all of that, you know, <clears throat> with the government's 10-point plan, well, let's say Boris's 10-point plan, the government's energy white paper that came out at the end of the year, you know, the, the huge, vast commitment across government in, in this year of COP. Um, should businesses be waiting to see more policy uh, pointers, subsidies, things that facilitate the transition to solar? Or, or is it something they should just look at and just get on with now? I, th I think what's what's what I found exciting is uh, so I think the yeah the industry has been if you like sort of policy supported for for ten years it's 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 been a new technology it's needed that sort of um, sort of help into the market the prices have come down to such an extent now that uh, that yes there are still some policy barriers but actually the market itself is is uh, yeah it's, it's cost effective investment on its own right I think that's probably something which is not widely understood yet the the the, the the sort of paybacks that we sort of hear from our members for a, for a on-site roof system is sort of five or six year payback so that's that's yeah, it's now sort of much more realistic and that's there's obviously no subsidy involved at all and i think there's 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 some misconceptions that there might yeah. be a subsidy around the corner i would i don't you really don't need to wait anymore i think there's 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 a there's so you, are you saying sorry to, to interrupt are you yeah. saying that the industry doesn't need it it's, it's able to stand on its own two feet now to, we're seeing, well, certainly with the commercial rooftop market, we are seeing, um, we saw about 200 megawatts of, uh, of, uh, of projects last year built, and that, that clearly had no subsidy at all. It was, it was mostly, it was, it was on-site PPAs or, or just sort of simply um, installing something on, on your own roof. So that's, that's, and that was kind of a new uptick of growth. And this was in the year of COVID, of course. So yeah, this, we, we would have seen a lot more, I suspect. So it's, yes, there's, there's um, cost-effectiveness there, I think on the public sector, particularly government can help and is starting to help. So the public sector decarbonisation fund, which is one of the, one of the sort of the, um, the economic stimulus measures that that is eligible for solar and, and energy storage as well as energy efficiency. So there there are there are some supports. There is some support out there, but it's I would say to businesses who want to be have predictable energy pricing, want to be doing their own bit, if you like, to, to, towards the green economy, don't wait for the government. You can just get on with it yourself now. Francisco, what about the businesses that you talk to? Do they, do they want to say, or are they willing to say, we'll, we'll take the risk with you, we'll do the PPA, doesn't matter what government policies facilitate this in the future? It's quite simple, but my background, it's working always on, on subsidized markets. So yeah. uh, the answer is quite simple. The longer uh, you take to go solar or to do your PPA, the more savings you're losing. The technology <laughs> is just yeah. intense economically. So uh, waiting more, it's just money that you're losing essentially on savings. What's the future look like, gents, for the, for the solar sector? Um, I think we, you know, what did he say? We want to be the Saudi Arabia of wind, Boris said. <laughs> now, I don't think we could quite be the Dubai of sun, but I mean, where, where will we be, do you think, in sort of 10 years' time? We set the goal of 40 gigawatts, which is tripling the capacity of, of, of the UK, effectively, um, uh, 
yeah, in 2020. And uh, I think ever, every, every time I speak about it and every time I uh, talk to our members, I get more and more confident that 40 gigawatts is, is very deliverable. The costs will continue to fall. The, the, it's still a young technology. We sort of forget that 10 years ago, there was practically no solar in the UK and not, not much in the rest of Europe either. So it's it's really accelerating fast. It integrates with lots of other technologies. So as well as the the, the obvious integration with energy storage, yeah. I think it will it will start to to follow the the growth of electric vehicles as well. So I think there's there's a lot of interest in being able to charge your own commercial fleets or or, um, or, or even sort of home vehicles using renewables. And the fact that solar is easily easily um, deployable at a, a sort of a at a building level and a, a car park level, I think that's something which we'll see a lot more of. So it's that's that's what it's it's, it's inevitably going to be a large part of the future. Um, and there'll be different technologies. I mean, thin film technology is starting to be developed now in the UK, even so. So we're, we're going to see different ways of applying the technology in ten years' time too. Francisco, what do you think? And, and for your yeah. particularly for for AMP as a business, where where do you see the solar sector? Yeah, no, of course, um, distributed intermittent generation is just going to keep increasing in terms of their footprint in the UK. So the future co-location or flexibility, it will come along with it. Uh, so from the PPA perspective, I see the near future short-to-term PPAs. Two things that I think are important is standardization of contracts. Excellent. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much. Just to end with, Chris, in terms of kind of the solar sector, should we be proud of what, what we're doing in this country? Absolutely, we should. Yes, I think it's. It's. Uh, I was so, so. I've been in energy policy for yeah, over twenty years, and I think I wouldn't if, if someone had told me uh, in twenty ten that this is this is where the solar industry would be. Um, I'm not sure I would have believed it. Um, the the speed of of uh, of of growth and the speed of um, acceleration of the technology is, is really quite breathtaking. So I think yeah, we should be proud. And I think we're 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 about to head into a decade of of a new phase where we'll see um, a sustained growth of the technology. Um, less based on policy and more based on on the market excellent chris uh, francisco thank you very much for your time ladies and gents thanks for listening to this future net zero podcast you can download it and obviously find far more content about what amp is doing on futurenetzero.com you've been listening to a promoted podcast from future net zero future net zero better business better planet